2021 has been a tough year for South Africans. Load shedding, COVID-19, a changing political landscape and a battered economy has all taken its toll on the health and emotional well-being of most South Africans. The end of this year brought more bad news with the discovery of a new COVID-19 variant Omicron with consequent cancelled international travel plans with the so-called festive season likely to be another bleak one for many families. I'm Catherine Rice, multimedia journalist for News24, and this is The Story. This week, we'll be talking to News24 editors and journalists about some of the biggest stories to dominate the headlines in the country this year. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard, and uncovered this week. We're now joined by political editor for News24, Quanita Hunter. Quanita, thank you for your time. It's been a non-stop news cycle of ups and downs for your team. The local government elections signified a new era in South African politics, with the ANC losing significant support. Would you say that has been the defining political story of the year? Is it a turning point in South African politics? Absolutely. I think that there was an expectation that the ANC would perform badly at the polls, but I don't think there was the realization that you'd have the results that you would, that where the ANC um, not only lost uh, key metros, but also um, the fact that it lost support in traditional uh, areas like Soweto and in townships you saw the ANC drop well below 50%. You also saw an unprecedented uh, occurrence where more than 60 councils across the country of about 250 um, did not have an outright majority, ushering um, an era of coalitions in a way that we have not seen before. What for you have been some of the most important political developments we've seen this year? And what do you think it's going to, you know, what do you think is going to have the most impact on our lives as South Africans going forward? I think the probably the most important story was the incarceration of former President Jacob Zuma and the consequence thereof. It was a story that persisted from the beginning of the year as the former president did not Um, want to cooperate with the Zondo Commission uh, to go and testify about what he knew in relation to state capture. He did not want to abide by a constitutional court ruling that uh, forced him really to go and testify and to comply with the commission. He sustained attacks on the judiciary to center stage in the first quarter of the year and led up to June and July where we had the very clear judgment from Justice Sisi Kampepe that said the former president had to be incarcerated for 15 months as a result of contempt of court. And we saw the defiance from his supporters and from him. He did not hand himself over. And then uh, we saw the drama ensuing uh, uh, until he arrived at the escort correctional services where he began uh, serving his, um, his sentence. But then what you saw in the days uh, subsequent to that was um, mayhem, bedlam that ensued in South Africa in ways that we had not seen. The constitutional order of this country was completely and utterly in jeopardy um, as his supporters, together with organized crime syndicates and other nefarious groupings, 
created chaos in most parts of KwaZulu-Natal and in Gauteng, resulting in the loss of lives of over 360 people and about 50 billion rand uh, being wiped off the country's uh, economy. We saw um, data coming out just this week saying that uh, the, the economy shrunk by 1.5% as a result of COVID-19, which is obviously a very big story this year, but also as a result of that violent unrest that this country was subjected to. Again, um, the, the, the story still persists because we did not see uh, real consequences for that. There's often a, th- a threat that it may happen again because there has been no uh, definitive action taken. Um, and the reality of it is that the state was completely overrun and the failures of the security cluster was on full display during those eight days in July. Certainly a terrifying time it was. Thank you so much for your time. That was Quanita Hunter, politics editor for News24. We're now joined by assistant editor for Breaking News, Sheldon Marais. Sheldon, there have been so many major stories this year. This is probably quite a difficult one to answer. But for you, what were some of the top breaking news stories aside from COVID-19 and politics? It's always a difficult one to answer. And, I, and in thinking about this, I thought, look, what were the, what were the things that, the, that, that people actually spoke about? So not us as journalists, because we can... You know, sometimes we become quite esoteric, but what people actually speak about. And there were two things or two topics, two stories that people spoke about, I found this year. Um, one was the July unrest, because I think that had, had significant uh, impact, not only on the economy, as we've seen with GDP figures coming out, but in terms of people's lives, their livelihoods, their, their businesses, uh, the well-being of their families, um, you know, speaking to people who are in KwaZulu-Natal and hearing some of the stories that came out, you know, the anecdotes of, of how people, you know, were down to the, the, the last 10, 20 rand in their, in their wallets, you know, and these were not people who, who didn't have any money. This was because, you know, they, they couldn't go to shops that were accepting cards. You know, and we've become so reliant on our cards these days. And you, you would never have thought of something like that but these were the things that were happening to people. And I think the, the impact it had, not only on people who were in KZN, on people who had businesses um, in parts of um, KZN and, and obviously Gauteng as well, where, where the, 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 you know, the major points of the unrest were, but just the general country, people wondering, you know, where, where to next? Is this, is this what we're going to have to contend with in South Africa? So it really affected people's psyches and what they were, talking about, what they were considering, um, what it meant for them as well. So, so I think July unrest definitely was one of the biggest stories uh, of this year, outside of COVID, as you, as you mentioned, and possibly for some people even bigger than, than, than COVID um, itself. It really was something that drove politics, that drove news, that drove business. And we're still trying to understand the, the, the fallout and the impact uh, of what happened. Not only was it, did it have an impact on, on uh, you know, and bring to the four questions of poverty? Because you saw people who said, listen, we're not in this for any political gain, you know. You know, we don't care two ways whether uh, former President Jacob Zuma uh, goes to prison or not, you know. This for us is, is about our livelihood, about being able to have food for the first time. So it brought, it brought to the fore South Africa's inequality, South Africa's poverty. It brought to the fore 
uh, cracks in our policing and, and our justice system. You know, uh, you had the police minister and, and uh, top brass of the police going off against the intelligence community, the, the, the fractures in the police being highlighted as well. Recently, we've had the South African Human Rights Commission having those inquiries into exactly what happened in July and how it came to be. So I think that just highlights just how deep the July unrests actually ran and that it was deeper than just, you know, uh, a group of people, um, as we are led to believe, who, who were unhappy with President Jacob Zuma or former President Jacob Zuma being jailed. And that in itself was a momentous story. You know, here we saw a, a sitting president, a democratically elected president post-1994 going to prison, serving time in prison. And that was something that, you know, many South Africans never thought that would, we, we would see. And would you say this year has been busier for your journalists than last year? And, and if so, what do you think has really kept them on their toes? I think so. Um, I, think, I think, you know, that the news landscape is just becoming ever busier. There's, there's you know, South Africa's never, never uh, quiet um, on, the, on the news front. You know, you never, they are never, there never is a lack of stories. I mean, if I think to one of the, the year's other biggest stories that, that people were talking about, and that kept our journalists busy at a time when you had uh, COVID, we were in that long stretching third wave um, as well. You know, we started the year off in the, sec- in the second wave. We had the third wave during the, the, the media, and we, we were going to end off with a, with a, a fourth wave. But what kept us busy during that second, uh, that, that third wave was the story of the Timbisa 10. You know, this was, <laughs> when I talk about stories that, that, that people were talking about, that kept the nation gripped, was the story of the Timbisa 10. Now, it's, it's, it feels quite odd to say the story of the Timbisa 10, because by all indications, you know, there, there never was the Timbisa 10. You know, and that would have made it a, a world record. The first time a, a, a mother has given birth to, to 10 babies in one go. You know, initially it was this, this feel good story that, that South Africans were, were hungry for. You know, we'd, we, we'd been in this, we started the year off in the second wave, as I mentioned. Then we had the, the third wave, which just seemed to stretch for months and months. We were in a very dark place. And this was even before the July unrest. And, and, we, we, we love a good news story in South Africa that, that, that sets us on top, that puts us on top of the world, you know. Um, we're not on top of the world in many instances, but, you know, when we do get it, we, we love to grab it and we love to milk it. We thought this was one of those moments again. But as the story unfolded, you know, the basics of where would such a procedure happen, you know, uh, that, that, that couldn't be confirmed. Um, why was this not being fated? you know, by, by, by the hospital, by the doctors, you know, who are the doctors? Uh, what was the backstory to this? Who, who did the procedure? You know, how, how, did, they, how did they get the, the, the technology, the thinking, you know, to, to, to deliver 10 babies successfully? How were the babies? You know, what were their names? South Africans love that. But as the story went on, you know, our journalists just couldn't find any of this. And the story began to unravel. Um, News 24 did a lot of work around getting to understand the, the, the protagonists involved, uh, some of the people that they were related to as well. And the more, and the deeper and deeper our journalists went into this. I mean, we had a team of two or three journalists at any time working on this. So if you're talking about what kept us busy during that period, this, this was one of those, you know, and you still had the, the story of, of COVID to tell. 
COVID is, is, is ever present. It's, it's a story that, that, you know, we all live with every single day um, and they're new developments. And it's our duty to bring those new developments to, to our leaders and our audiences. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's so much else happening in a country that's, that's, that is really grappling with, with a number of deep-seated issues. Absolutely. And certainly never a dull moment in our country, that's for sure. Thank you so much for your time. That was Assistant Editor for Breaking News, Sheldon Marias. We're now joined by Bevan Lakay, Health Editor for News24. Bevan, South Africans were hopeful that this year would be better than last in terms of the impacts of COVID-19, but that hasn't been the case. And the new Omicron variant has sent the world into panic mode. In terms of health reporting, COVID-19 has dominated again. What were some of the biggest developments in terms of the pandemic and how it shaped our lives this year? What do you think about the way the discovery of Omicron was handled and could it have been managed better? Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. Look, uh, if we start with uh, Omicron, I think from a South African perspective, we did quite well. Uh, Scientifically and from a government perspective, we were uh, quite early in terms of announcing it and being transparent. And I think the most important thing with COVID-19 is transparency, especially with a lot of false information and fake information out there. Um, unfortunately, factual information can cause a little bit of panic as well. And, and, and while South Africa uh, handled it quite well, it wasn't well received internationally, as we saw with travel bans, uh, etc. But as information started coming out, we're learning that uh, um, you know most of those travel bands probably were not necessary. Um, uh, Look, uh, it it was quite politicized from an international perspective. Governments liked to show their citizens that, look, we're doing something. And so the immediate thing for most of them to do was, you know, initiate these travel bans and say, okay, no travel from South Africa or to to South Africa. That was the easy thing to do because in the eyes of their, their citizens, government is doing something. But from a South African perspective, you know, we gave them the information. We were very transparent about it and the fact is variants and mutations will happen with this virus especially with our with uh, with vaccine coverage not being as it should be according to according to scientists and 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 in any case viruses do mutate it's just uh, it's about sharing information and being transparent and i think from a south african perspective we have done that so what we've seen from a a health perspective and, and and also hospital perspective. We're obviously in 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 many parts of the country in the fourth wave. But while infections are much higher and been increasing, it looks so far like hospital admissions aren't as bad as could be, and and that will obviously play be a, a lot due to to high, higher vaccine coverage still not as high as it should be but but a higher vaccine coverage in south africa but one of the things we have seen uh, early on is that there have been more children especially children under five admitted and that could be for a number of reasons um, we've covered that in a couple of stories uh, as well so overall, obviously, you know, while we might have thought that uh, COVID-19, you know, may not dominate, it probably will for a little while longer because we also need to consider the knock-on effects of COVID-19. Um, so obviously, it has direct effects, you know, of, of course, with people who get sick with COVID-19. You also got people who then get long COVID. But there are also other knock-on effects because if you look at lockdowns and otherwise, um, treatments of other diseases where we've done quite well in the last couple of years if you look at things like tuberculosis and um 
HIV, etc. And then if you look from a children perspective, um, we, you know, you have your normal vaccination coverage. For the last while, we've done quite well with that. But COVID-19 obviously has caused that to be backed up quite a bit, which is quite problematic. We're also looking at people who have been a, a home at home and alone for quite some time and the isolation issues and mental health issues for the last while as well. Um, and not to mention people are not exercising. So there are other knock-on effects too. So whether we like it or not, COVID-19 will be in our lives for a while longer, directly and indirectly. Bevan, what are your predictions for next year in terms of the way that COVID currently controls so much of our lives? Is it likely to get any better or do you think this will just become something we will need to live with forever with perhaps annual jabs to protect us? Well, the one thing I can predict is that COVID-19 is unpredictable. Uh, you know, in the last two years, that's the one thing that stood out for me and, and, and has been my, my, my biggest concern and biggest fear is that, you know, the more you learn, you still don't know enough about COVID-19. Um, and, and that's why it's quite difficult. I think we are going to have to live with it for, for quite some time. I mean, we will get to a point where where we have it under more control, much like uh, I, I suppose you can say the, the the flu virus, where we're having you you have a, an annual vaccination that can combat that, and it's much more more well controlled. But it's going to be in our lives, but it's also in our hands in terms of how COVID nineteen dominates our lives. You know, if we do the right things in terms of getting vaccinated, um, as many people in South Africa as possible getting vaccinated. And there are a couple of things we've learned in the the last while, uh, you know, which is that we need to be washing our hands more. I don't think a lot of people always did that. And then also the other thing is, you know, is distancing, which is so important. And I think we, in in, in the last, I don't know, have long, we'd actually forgotten about that. You know, we need to give each other space in shopping malls and outside everywhere. So distancing is going to be a key uh, important thing that we continue to do. So they're the non-pharmaceutical stuff, which will continue. It's just going to be part of our lives but we also will have to most likely be vaccinated quite regularly for COVID-19 but um, I think a lot of it's in our hands in terms of how how much of a role COVID-19 plays uh, in, in our lives going forward. Bevan what about mandatory vaccines that's looking more and more likely what are your thoughts on that? We wouldn't need it if people just got their vaccines that's the issue it's a it's a the science is pretty clear in terms of you know vaccination is our best form of protection uh, in terms of of COVID-19 um, the that's the one thing that's that stood through the last let's say year in terms of, of, of fighting COVID-19 and it would be best if everybody got the necessary jabs you know be it the Pfizer one which is a two-shot dose or the Johnson & Johnson which is a one-shot dose we could discuss boosters but there are boosters jabs coming as well which will just give you extra protection I mean the, the whole thing about it is to have the best possible protection and 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 vaccines give you the best possible protection um, if if it's going to take mandatory vaccinations to get us to that point where more people or I, I don't want to say everybody some people are still going to not get the vaccines but if we can push some people over the edge to going to get a vaccine and, and that's what it takes unfortunately that's what needs what will need to be done um, but the truth is you know the information's out there this is solid science out there and the science all points to vaccinations um, uh, 
um, we should do be wanting to protect ourselves and and uh, the information is quite clear that vaccination will do that um, it's unfortunate I think that you know we, you know we're going to have to be forced to do so in terms of mandatory but that's the next step if people do not want to willingly go for vaccination, that is absolutely the next step, and that's understandable. Thank you so much for your time, Bevan. That was Bevan Lekay, News24 Health Editor. And finally, we speak to Karen Morn, Specialist Legal Journalist for News24. Karen, there was certainly no shortage of stories on the court front. What for you were some of the standout ones? I think some of the biggest stories of this year all centered around a refusal of high-ranking officials to be held accountable for their conduct, whether it was former President Jacob Zuma's constant attempts to undermine the state's efforts to prosecute him for arms deal linked to corruption, public protector Busisiwe uh, Nkobani's efforts to stop a, a potential inquiry that could lead to her impeachment based on various um, you know, aspects of the rules that she found to be um, unlawful or unconstitutional, or the judge president, John Flopez, campaign to avoid becoming the first judge to be impeached over his uh, efforts to swing two constitutional court judges uh, to rule in favor of Zuma in a 2008 case I think there has been a constant um, kind of campaign by those powerful individuals to avoid being held accountable. And I think those stories will continue to dominate the courts into 2022. What do you think are the legal landmarks or court cases we should be looking out for next year? I think the big case, of course, will be Ace Magashule's attempt to challenge the NPA's evidence against him, which he essentially says does not exist. I think that's going to be a very, very important case for the NPA to prove that it did not simply bring um, a case against Magashule without having its legal ducks in a row. Certainly, he's made some very disturbing averments, for instance, that you know one of the key so-called state witnesses against him, his former PA, was in fact um, someone who never actually gave an affidavit to the state at the time that it referred to her as a state witness, certainly Edward Sodi bringing um, a similar application in terms of challenging the state's evidence against him, but on the basis that they had relied on Zondo inquiry evidence, which they he contends were were was not were not um, legally allowed to do. So those cases will prove to be incredibly important. Um, both for the NPA in terms of establishing that it has the credibility it needs to take on high-level corruption matters, and also for the Zondo inquiry, how the state utilizes um, evidence or or the kind of uh, information that was uncovered by that inquiry in a legally permissible way. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was Karen Morn. Specialist legal journalist for News24. That's it from us this year. We'll be taking a season break, but we'll be back in the new year. I'm Catherine Rice, and this week's episode was produced with the help of Alyosha Colstock.